You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad, and this is your Tuesday solo pod. Speaking of Tuesday, a little programming note. We're going right now, obviously. If you're in here, hit the like button. But on Thursday, I'll be doing the show with Mike McClure. Same time, same place, 5 o'clock on this YouTube channel. But we also are going to have a special show on Monday for that Cowboys-Buccaneers game. So as everybody knows, it's Wild Card Weekend. We have two games on Saturday which we'll take an early look at uh, just in a few minutes. We have three games on Sunday, which we will take a look at in a few minutes from a pricing and construction standpoint. But then we have that Monday game. So we're going to talk about on Thursday, we're going to talk about constructing lineups for the Saturday slate, constructing lineups for the Sunday slate, and frankly, constructing lineups for the Saturday through Monday slate, if you want to do that, because there's a lot of offerings, a lot of different variations. I know I'm going to be playing that Saturday through Monday slate, among other slates. So we're going to do that on Thursday, but I do want to point out that there will be a special Monday morning show. That's Monday at 10.30 a.m., I believe, where me and Mike are going to break down that showdown slate. So we got a lot of stuff coming at you, but this... This is our recap show. It's otherwise known as the Russell Wilson recap show because I don't know if you noticed, but this show was really big on Russell Wilson. If you remember from Thursday and maybe even a little bit on Tuesday, I liked Josh Allen quite a bit. We didn't really know exactly how that was going to play out on actually that show was ended up being on Wednesday, but we didn't know how that was going to play out. But by by the time we got to Thursday, that was a stack I, I actually did like a lot, but it was Russell Wilson that I really liked with. Cortland Sutton with Albert O, and that that didn't really work out. But if you had Russell Wilson in your lineup, you probably did pretty well. And spoiler alert, our FFT DFS winner, Brew Crew 9 well, he's got Russell Wilson in his lineup. He's got a great lineup, and we're going to look at that in a second. But before we look at that, let's look at my GPP lineup. Let's look at Mike's GPP lineup. And then, obviously, we're going to get to the early look at pricing after we look at the FFT DFS winning lineup. I will say this. This was the first weekend I did not do a cash lineup. And pretty easy reason for that. In week 18, I just thought there was so much variance with so many backups and players sitting. I just didn't really see the upside in playing a cash lineup. Will I play one this weekend coming up? Yeah, probably. Like I said, my focus, I know a lot of people just want to jump at the Saturday slate, play that two-game slate. Then they want to just turn the page and jump on the Sunday slate, play that slate, and so on and so forth. I will be playing those slates. But I'm definitely also playing the Saturday through Monday slate. So I just think it's something to keep in mind. I think everybody that's listening to this, or hopefully some of you are watching it, I think you should make a lineup, maybe maybe just like to mess around. Maybe you make like a $1 lineup for, for each slate. 
and you see which lineup construction you like the best, which one you're more comfortable with in terms of how you constructed your roster and, and what you think the upside is and things of that nature. I, I highly encourage people to do one Saturday slate lineup, one Sunday, one Saturday through Monday, and just see how it shakes out. And then based on how you're feeling about those three constructions, then decide, okay, well, now I'm going to build some more lineups. Which which of these slates do I feel more comfortable with? So just something to consider because there's a lot of different tournament offerings. It's not like one of the slates has terrible tournament offerings and the other one has a multitude of them. There's a lot of offerings from a tournament and obviously a, a double up cash standpoint as well. All right, my GPP lineup. So I went in with as I usually do, like six or seven different uh, constructions of a tournament lineup across different tournaments. And I went all in on Russell Wilson and Josh Allen. Those are the only two quarterbacks and stacks I played. The Josh Allen stacks were Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis uh, on some of them. And Gabriel Davis cost me a lot of money by dropping seven of his 10 targets, including a touchdown that truly would have made me a good, a good amount of money. But it was either... Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton and or Judy and Alberto, or it was Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. Both of those actually worked out on this slate. Those were really good stacks to have. So this particular one, which wasn't necessarily my most profitable one, but I thought a good lineup nonetheless. And it was certainly a lot of the guys that I knew I was going to play on that Thursday show. Here we go. Russell Wilson, Ken Walker, Cam Akers, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, Stefan Diggs, Tyler Higby. Tyler Algier and the Jets defense. So a couple things to go over here. I stuck with the Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton stack on this particular lineup though, because I had some extra money. I didn't jam in Albert O at 2,900. I figured I would take a, like a pretty safe floor with Tyler Higby. I mean, he, he definitely got his floor with four receptions, 33 yards, but nothing more than that. So Albert O got you a big fat zero. The O stands for zero and Albert O apparently. And so you know, my mistake like that, that was, you know, Russell Wilson to Sutton and Alberto was one of those, if you really need to save money type constructions. But the truth is you didn't really have to save money on this one because there was so much value that was opening up. Even with some of the starters, they were kind of cheaply priced like Stefan Diggs, for example, at 7,900. I mean, that's a uh, crazy low for Stefan Diggs. So there were a lot of lineups where I just didn't need to jam in Alberto, and so I didn't. Uh, I think if this lineup, instead of Cortland Sutton, if I had gone with Jerry Judy, which I did do with some of my Russell Wilson stacks, well, then I'm, I, I've got a pricing problem, right? Because if you remember, Jerry Judy was 6,300, whereas Cortland Sutton was 4,800. So I would have had to have dropped down to Albert O there. And oh, by the way, that was like the perfect 2v2, right? Because Higby's 4,400 and, and Albert O is 2,900. So that's 1,500 right there. The 1,500 I have to, to put in for Judy, I save from Higby to Albert O. So that's how a lot of my lineups went. And frankly, if I did that, I would have had the same point total because Judy outscored Quillen Sutton in, in, in a similar way that Tyler Higby outscored uh, Albert O. So the, the problem with this lineup really is that some of my chalk didn't get there. Ken Walker, 41% owned in this tournament lineup. Um, that's not great for a GPP, but what I tried to do here was I tried to pay. If you, if you see this, you, you might be curious and you might say, okay, well, Ken Walker and DK Metcalf. Yeah, because I think they can both get there. Knowing that the, the concentration of targets are so condensed with Seattle, I very well could have seen a scenario where Ken, Kenneth Walker gets 100 yards like he did in this game and a touchdown and DK Metcalf gets 60, 70 yards and, and a touchdown for himself. So I figured that was a little different, even though both of these guys were chalky. I figured most lineups were playing either Ken Walker or a Geno Smith to DK Metcalf stack. 
And so what I did is I tried to get a little piece of both of those. I didn't want to play Geno Smith. He was in zero of my lineup. So I, I get Russell Wilson. I get the savings on Russell Wilson, plus the upside that I imagined with Russell Wilson, which actually came to fruition. And then I still get DK Metcalf in my lineup with Kenneth Walker. So I thought that was a pretty clever construction. Obviously, DK Metcalf didn't have a very good day. And Jalen Ramsey gave him fits. And, you know, in retrospect, do I pay for Tyler Lockett in a GPP instead of DK Metcalf? I get the savings, but I also get the ownership discount. It's just for me, I was so afraid of Tyler Lockett because of all the injuries he's been shaking off over the last couple of weeks. And that's why I just went with the, the the more stud play with DK Metcalf. But anyway, Walker, Akers, both of them could have blown up. Neither of them did. They still had good games. Tyler Algier, he didn't blow up either. So my running backs were pretty underwhelming. Stefan Diggs was great in this lineup. Uh, my Stefan Diggs to Josh Allen stacks were just fine, but they weren't great. So overall, I think this is a good lineup. It, you know, it placed firmly in the money. I think this was just a this particular tournament, I, I believe, was a $15 three max. So I certainly didn't make a ton off of this. Could have used some of the chalk getting through there. And frankly, if Russell Wilson was able to maybe get another few throws to uh, Cortland Sutton, that would have helped. But no problems with this lineup. I think it absolutely could have worked, especially if Seattle was was able to put it on the Los Angeles Rams. But they weren't. And so there you are. So we can go to Mike's GPP lineup. It will look familiar in, in a lot of different ways because, again, this is the Russell Wilson show brought to you by Fantasy Football Today DFS. And Mike's GPP lineup, well, it stars Russell Wilson. and oh. Cortland Sutton. And there's Albert O at 2,900 with zero points. And, you know, you're going to get that from an Albert O game here and there. That's just that's just what it's going to be. Again, the, the logic behind playing Albert O, who was bordering on 10% in this tournament, was that Greg Dulcich was on IR. So you got to think Albert O is probably going to get at least, you know, two to three catches. And certainly with his speed and athleticism has the ability to perhaps break one. So he saved some money with Albert O, but certainly it didn't get him anywhere. This lineup is Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, and Albert O. But the rest of the lineup is Najee Harris, Zach Moss, who this show absolutely loved, both on Tuesday and Thursday. We repped him out hard. Honestly, I think he should have been owned more than 18.6%, but that's still a little chalky, obviously. Najee Harris at 38%. You know, I started to really doubt Najee Harris really in the beginning of the week. And it's not because... I thought he was in a bad spot. It was, and he did okay in this game. You know, he got a rushing touchdown, but it's because I, I kind of believed in Jalen Warren. I had a prop on Jalen Warren's over. He didn't do much. He only got six carries. He, I, I won the prop, the, the prop I put out on the early edge, but just Najee Harris has been so inefficient. I saw a scenario where he was going to be super chalky and, and super underwhelming. He was okay in this game, but he wasn't a guy that I was really latching myself onto. There were other, granted, I, I had Tyler Algier in the lineup you just saw. So I mean, it's kind of like the same thing. I saved a few bucks on Tyler Algier, no big deal. But it's Russell Wilson, Najee Harris, Zach Moss, Cortland Sutton, like I said, Jamar Chase, who was 27% owned, pretty chalky, but you know, not incredibly chalky. And you know, Jamar Chase can absolutely blow up. He probably should have had a better game than he did. Stefan Diggs, great game. Albert O, Kenneth Walker, Vikings defense. Good lineup. It won him a lot of money here. You see he won $350. But it was just one of those things where Russell Wilson really got him there. And Cortland Sutton was okay. But but look at this. Like, there's a lot of chalky stuff in here. But you get Russell Wilson at 7%. And if you saw in, in my tournament, he was under he was well under 10%. I think he was also around 7%. But yeah, Russell Wilson at 7% and Cortland Sutton at 7%. Imagine a scenario where 
instead of Judy getting one of those long catches, which he did, he got a couple long catches in that game. Imagine one of them goes to Sutton. Imagine Sutton gets a, a second touchdown. I, I thought that was all in play. He got his touchdown, but only th- 33 receiving yards at 7% for each of those guys. That's how you win a GPP. That's how you play chalk like Najee Harris, you know, somewhat chalky Zach Moss, very chalky Stefan Diggs and, and Jamar Chase and Kenneth Walker. You can have all of that in your lineup, but if your stack is different from everybody else, like if Albert O happens to get a touchdown and whatever, a handful of yards and Cortland Sutton has a spike game, we know Russell Wilson had the spike game. Uh, this is This is what makes GPP lineup. So just don't be too confused about the chalk thing because you can play some chalk, just get different elsewhere. And if your stack is different and that stack blows up, I mean, you can play some chalk. You'll win a tournament. So this, I thought, was very well constructed uh, in spite of the GPP chalk. And it just came down to uh, Cortland Sutton and Albert O just not doing quite as much. It was a lot of other guys like Jerry Judy that were really having that connection uh, with Russell Wilson. So that's Mike's GPP lineup. Let's get to the FFT DFS winner, and then we will get to – and by the way, if you have any questions in the chat, Go ahead and ask them, um, especially – well, you're not going to have redraft questions at this point. Any questions, whether it's about the playoffs or maybe, again, you know, you got an against the spread question. Uh, you know, catch the early edge because we're going to do shows for that as well, but we can answer them here as well. This is Brew Crew 9 By the way, if you are in the chat, hit the like button. Oh, wow, look at this. The winner of our FFT DFS contest had Russell Wilson, but this time – He had Russell Wilson to Jerry Judy. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. You could have gone Jerry Judy. The only reason not to go Jerry Judy, frankly, was the savings. But again, this was a slate where you could have saved money in a lot of different places. You know, this is is such a beautiful lineup. I can't wait to say this. So for those of you listening on the podcast, I'm staring at, at a bunch of chalk, but there's two guys in this lineup. Well, really, there's four guys, but there's two guys in this lineup that are 2% owned or less, and they combined for... 58 points. That is incredible. That is truly, truly incredible. And their names are Keenan Allen and Jordan Akins. You might say to yourself, well, how is Keenan Allen under 2%? Well, don't forget that that Denver game that the Chargers were playing, it didn't matter to the Chargers. It, it, it shouldn't have mattered to the Chargers because Baltimore had already lost. The, the Chargers had nothing to play for thanks to that loss. They were locked into the fifth seed. And so you just assumed that if Keenan Allen was going to play – he was only going to play, oh, I don't know, like one quarter, maybe less. And it turns out that Brandon Staley decided he wanted to roll Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and you name it, Mike Williams out for four quarters, except, well, Mike Williams got injured, so he didn't get to play four quarters. So I don't really know what Brandon Staley's doing. Uh, I kind of don't get it. But hopefully Mike Williams is ready to play in the wild card round. I think he's going to be hobbled because that's just sort of the existence of Mike Williams in the NFL. But when you have a lineup like this where you take this type of chance, and I wasn't willing to take the Keenan Allen chance because I truly thought he was only going to play one quarter. But if you are willing to take this chance and a guy like Keenan Allen has a spike game, you're going to win a lot of money. I mean, 172 points on this slate is pretty awesome. Actually, so you you got Jordan Akins at 0.9% in that Houston Indianapolis game who happened to get two receiving touchdowns, 70 yards and four receptions. Uh, That's just crazy good. It's just you're taking a shot at the tight end position. I don't mind it. I don't think it was somebody that we repped out on the show, but we know how the tight end position works. Unless you're unless you got Travis Kelsey, maybe George Kittle at this point, like it's basically a guessing game. So if you want to guess with Jordan Akins, 
that works. And if it doesn't work out, well, you only spent $3,000 on your tight end. So it's not going to absolutely kill you. But this lineup, Russell Wilson, Ken Walker, Cam Akers, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Jerry Judy, Jordan Akins, Najee Harris, and the Jets defense. The chalk here, Ken Walker, Najee Harris, Cam Akers, DK Metcalf. None of that chalk really hit, but they were they were all okay. They didn't kill his lineup by, by any means. But he had Jerry Judy, Russell Wilson, Jordan Akins, and Keenan Allen, and they all smashed. And they all, just those four players, exceeded 100 points of his 172. So, again, take the chance on your stack, especially in a good situation, which we talked about. The Denver Broncos certainly were in a good situation there. And keep in mind, that good situation was partly, you know, it was partly because I thought the Chargers were going to be sitting not just their offensive starters, but some of their defensive starters as well, which didn't end up being the case. So Russell Wilson was still able to get there regardless. Uh, Great lineup. Brew Crew 09, a great lineup. You absolutely deserve to win. You took the chance on Keenan Allen. Frankly, I think, I I don't know what the second place score was, but I feel like if you didn't take the chance on Keenan Allen, then you still could have won with this lineup. If if you had somebody like decent, like, I don't know, if you were able to get in, uh, let's say, Stefan Diggs, which would have been a thousand more, so you would have had to pay down somewhere else. But my point is, is, I think this is a good lineup, notwithstanding the chance you took on Keenan Allen. So really good job by Brew Crew 09. And I think we're we're pretty much ready to uh, get into the wild card weekend stuff. Uh, but before we do, Zach, maybe we should hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. And so, you know, this is a really interesting weekend because, okay, we got six games. And the way I saw DraftKings, and I see Swaggy P in here, he says the Saturday-Sunday slate is the best in his opinion. The funny thing about that is, and maybe I just saw it wrong, but when I was cruising through tournament slates, it looked like the Saturday-Sunday slate did not include the Saturday day game, but only the Saturday night game and then the three games on Sunday. And again, I checked and I double checked. That's what I saw. And maybe I'm just mistaken, but I think that's a weird way to do the Saturday Sunday slate. I agree with you, so though, Swaggy P, that that is a great slate to play, regardless of whether you're including that Saturday 430 game. Um, I also think, again, the Saturday through Monday slate is great. And that's not necessarily because I really want a piece of the Monday game. Maybe I don't want any pieces of the Monday game, but I still think that Saturday through Monday slate is really fun. And by the way, I think it's really cool from a late swap standpoint because usually, we're late swapping and we have like, you know, 10 minutes between games or maybe an hour because we see how the, like the, the game prior is, is, is kind of unfolding and we kind of know what we want to do. Well, here we kind of have like overnight. Like, I think that's really cool. I mean, if you really want to get, you know, deep down and dirty with late swap, 
play that Saturday through Monday slate, have a few lineups going, have one where you, you stay true to, or and if that's what you want to do, and one where you're doing a bunch of late swapping and just kind of contrast and compare. I think it's a really like fun thing to do, regardless of whether you win or lose. A lot of people don't really engage in late swap, or not as many people as they should. And sometimes it's just because you're busy and you know you you got stuff to do at 3:30, 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, or you can't dial in for whatever reason. Well, now you got a whole night. And then you got a whole another night if you want to late swap some more going into Monday. So I just think that's a really cool way to treat this wild card round, to have at least a couple of lineups that, that are Saturday through Monday. I will say this, for those of you that don't know, prices are different. So if we're, we're going to pull up the Saturday slate in a second, just those, those two games, and then we're going to go through the Sunday slate. But those prices are different than the prices you're going to see Saturday through Monday, which should make sense to you because there's different. it's a different player pool and the things impact each other differently. But just something to consider there because I might reference a price on the Saturday slate and you might pull up a different slate and be like, oh man, I could have sworn he said, you know, Keenan Allen was whatever, you know, 7,500. Well, you know, he's, he's not on your slate. He was on the slate we were referring to. I don't think that matters too much because I think what you have to agree with here is not the salary, but just the roster construction. I think, you know, once you kind of set, regardless of what slate you're playing, once you're kind of set on the stack you want or the runbacks you want, the combinations you want, that's the part to figure out probably first. And then you can kind of worry about salary, how much you have left um, after that. Uh, Murray medalist says, I never get the chance to catch the show live. Big fan. Appreciate all the great content this season. Murray. That's great. I appreciate it. And I'll tell you on Thursday, it's me and Mike. So if you thought this show was good, Thursday's kind of awesome with me and Mike. Um, And thank you for hitting the like button. Like you said in the chat. Uh, And Brian says, Thanks for the great advice, Sia. What time do the Chiefs play this weekend? Oh, that's a dig. That's a dig. I'm wearing Chiefs red for you, Brian. It's so interesting because of what unfolded with that Bills-Bengals game. You know, it's just very interesting how this – because we all think of, okay, well, they sort of fixed that sort of situation because of the neutral site thing. Well, the truth is if the Bills had won that game against Cincinnati, then – and if they had won in week 18 like they did – then they would have to buy and not Kansas City. So I, I I think that's really interesting because, you know, what if somebody gets injured in, in that, in that, this is how I think. Like, what if somebody gets injured in that Bills game? This, this Bills game coming up against Miami. I mean, the way I think is like, I look back and I'm like, well, man, maybe they shouldn't have even been playing that game. I and mean, there's nothing the NFL could have done. They did their best. I thought they did a really good job under the circumstances. But it is kind of tough luck for the Bills that they have to play this game in the first place. And maybe they would have lost to Cincinnati anyway. That, that's what I predicted. I thought Cincinnati was going to win that game. And I thought it was tracking as early as it was for Cincinnati to win that game. But we just don't know. So, Brian, good point. I assume you're a Chiefs fan and they do not have to play this weekend. I will say this. I'm going to be bold. I said this on the early edge last week. The Chiefs, they don't make the Super Bowl. They don't even make the AFC championship. How about that? Hot take. Uh, maybe I'm just doing that to clip that and and post it so I can get made fun of by Kansas City fans. But okay, so let's get to Wild Card Weekend. So okay, let, let's get to the games real quick. Just just let me run through them before we pull up the Saturday slate. On Saturday, we have the Seahawks at the 49ers. I'm looking at the current lines right now. It's Thursday early evening, 5:24 Eastern Standard Time. We have the 49ers as a 10 point favorite, and it's a 43 point total. Pretty low total. Makes sense, right? Because uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the last time the Seattle Seahawks played the Niners, actually both times, they barely, like, I think they had one touchdown in those two games. They, they just can't move the ball against the 49ers. They don't throw the ball downfield. I'm kind of like very anti-Seattle in this game. I, I just think we've seen a Geno Smith regression over the last seven, eight weeks, and it's not very positive. And 
At the same time that regression has happened, I don't know if you noticed, but San Francisco is getting better on both sides of the ball with Brock Purdy and defensively getting healthier. I think I think the Seattle Seahawks are in, in a heap of trouble here. 10 is a lot, so I don't know that I'm taking that 10 number. Maybe that's a game for me to tease when I, if we're talking about betting. But keep in mind, it's a 43-point total. So that's a, that's a low total. So we'll talk about the players I like in that game. we got the Chargers at the Jaguars. That's Saturday at 815 Chargers are favored by one point. It's a 47 and a half point total, a lot healthier than that 43 we just talked about. Now we move to Sunday. By the way, I like the Chargers in that game. Uh, Sunday, we have three games. We have the Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are favored by nine and a half. It's a 46 point total. That's a pretty healthy total right there. Giants at the Vikings. The Vikings are favored by three. I'm curious what people's opinions are. If you're in the chat. um, Hi, Garrett. How are you? Uh, If you're in the chat. Uh, tell me what you think of that Vikings-Giants game. Vikings are favored by three. If you had to bet on it, who would you take? Giants plus three or Vikings minus three? Very curious about uh, what people think of that. That's a 48.5 point total. And then the, the final game on Saturday is the Ravens at the Bengals. It's a seven-point Bengals. And we don't know what's going on with Lamar Jackson. I, I, I have no idea. I suspect he's not playing, but I genuinely have no idea. Bengals are favored by seven. It's only a 42-point total. Um, another interesting game to tease. I mean, think if you tease that with uh, I don't like I don't like giving out teasers. I think it's kind of a cop out bet. But I think if you tease the Niners and the Bengals, I think you're in decent shape. I think you could also maybe tease the Bengals with the Bills instead of the Niners, unless that Niners line drops down to nine and a half, because if you drop it down to three, you lose that tease if, if it settles on three. But if you can drop it down to two and a half, you get under that key number. So something to think about. And then finally, we have Monday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys who are floundering. Usually they flounder immediately when the playoffs start, but now they're floundering before the playoffs. So maybe that's good for them. Maybe actually it probably is good for them. Uh, The Cowboys are only favored by two and a half at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got to be honest. I think I like the Cowboys there to actually take down Tom Brady. Um, I think the sentiment is the Cowboys will flounder in the playoffs and I get it, but I kind of like Tampa there, but that's only a 45 and a half point total. Again, we're going to have a special Monday morning show at 1030 on Monday, me and Mike McClure, and we're only going to talk about this showdown slate. So I highly encourage everybody to set notifications on this channel, you know, set the alerts or just make sure, put it on your iPhone calendar. That'd be cool. And then tweet and then tweet at me with the picture of your iPhone calendar it says something like, you know, special edition FFT DFS, 1030 AM. I think it's 1030. This would be terrible if I was wrong about the time and I'm like telling people to tweet it at me. I don't know. Maybe Zach can help me out if it's 1030 or not. I'm, I'm pretty positive it's 1030. The point is, tweet at me. Show me that picture. Show me that you care. All right. Thank you, Zach. Enough about all of that. Let's pull up the Saturday slate. And that's the two games we talked about. It's the Seahawks at the 49ers. It's the Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk about just this Saturday slate, and then we're going to talk about just the Sunday slate. And again, all of these things are applicable to whatever slate you play, right? Like my advice and in, in, in the, the the players I like, they're generally going to be liked across all slates. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different when your player pool becomes different, but I mean, I like who I like here. I'm playing who I'm going to play regardless of the slate in, in most cases. So Let's start at the QB position. We'll just go position by position, and we'll probably be able to run through this pretty quickly. I don't think this is going to be the show that goes uh, the full hour. Um, yeah, let's let's start at Zach. Click on quarterback here. And okay, so we have Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, and Brock Purdy. That's really the only quarterbacks to be concerned with. 
Nice. It's a nice matchup for Justin Herbert. Like I get all the hype about Jacksonville. I, I don't think Jacksonville is very good personally. And I think Justin Herbert with his full complement of weapons should have a pretty easy time moving the ball. I think the question is, you know, who does he move the ball to? That's always the question. Honestly, I think if Mike Williams is out, it could sort of help us from a roster construction standpoint. I suspect Mike Williams is going to give it a go. I am very nervous about playing Mike Williams, to be honest with you, unless I see some video of or at least some confirmation from beat reporters that he had a full practice without limitations, like on Thursday or something or whatever, whatever day it is. I'm, I'm probably going to be out on Mike Williams because I'm, I'm very afraid of some sort of Mike Williams aggravation. So Justin Herbert stacks to Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen make a ton of sense. I think you can probably, it's expensive, but I think you can probably get away with doing that. We see his game log here. You know, he hasn't been passing for a ton of yards against Denver. He ended up passing for a decent amount of yards, 273. But prior to that, you know, 212, 235 against uh, the Rams and Indianapolis Colts. Tennessee, he was up there past 300. You know, he's he's had some bouts of like inefficiency, even when he passed for 313 yards against Tennessee, zero touchdown passes. When he passed for 367 against the Miami Dolphins, one touchdown pass. Like these are... These are not like your classic Justin Herbert games, but I think against Jacksonville, he absolutely could have one. And we can get off this game log, Zach, go right back to the quarterbacks because there's probably a couple of other quarterbacks to talk about here at least. I don't think I'm playing Brock Purdy or Geno Smith. I think if I was going to choose between the two, I would just take the chance that Brock Purdy has enough of a connection to like CMC and George Kittle and maybe Brandon Ayuk. He's not going to have to pass the ball a lot, but – all of, the, all of those guys I just mentioned, including Debo, who will be healthy for that game, they can all make house calls on five-yard outs. So if you want to try to get lucky with a quarterback, I, I don't think you try to get lucky with Geno Smith. I just don't see it for him. I do see a path for Brock Purdy, especially against the Seattle defense. And I think you could pair Brock Purdy with you know, two guys if you want, maybe with just CMC. Um, but probably in this case, with this short slate, Brock Purdy to CMC uh, makes a good amount of sense. Brock Purdy hasn't been doing a ton through the air, but a little bit better than you'd expect. I mean, in that Vegas game, 284 yards, two touchdowns, three touchdowns against Arizona. The question is, how much does he push the ball down the field? I do think the Seattle Seahawks challenged the, the 49ers enough for him have to, to have to have 20 to 25 passing attempts at the very least. I mean, he only had 20 against Arizona, but most of these games he's in between 20, 26, 35, as we see. And we can, we can get off this screen, Zach. We only need to see the game log maybe for like 10 seconds. And then we can go right back to the quarterbacks. Um, I I don't think there's anybody else like Trevor Lawrence, of course. Yeah, of course you can play Trevor Lawrence. And I, and I, he's probably my second favorite quarterback. It's for me, it's Herbert, it's Trevor Lawrence. And then if I was going to take a shot at one of the two other guys, it's probably going to be Brock Purdy, but you know, it really, it, to me, it's probably going to be Herbert as the number one for sure. And then maybe a couple lineups with Trevor Lawrence, uh, because I, I think both of those guys have a pretty good ceiling potential. The question is, who do you correlate those guys to? And so we can go to the running back position and start talking about some of the running backs on this Saturday slate. I think Christian McCaffrey is like kind of a must play. It's it's such a good matchup for one against the Seattle Seahawks. And we know it's playoff time, right? Listen, all the all the running backs for the 49ers, they're all healthy. Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell's back, and, and Elijah Mitchell very well could steal some red zone carries, and that would kind of suck if you have Christian McCaffrey. And if you want to fade Christian McCaffrey for that reason, more power to you. But we know he's going to get a bunch of checkdowns. We know he's going to get a lot of design looks through the passing game. He's going to get a full complement of r- rushes between the 20s at least. Uh, the last time these two teams played, he had 32 touches. Christian McCaffrey did. Over 100 yards, he had a touchdown. That was back in week 15, so it wasn't that long ago. 
again, Mitchell may steal some red zone work, but outside of that, I I really like this matchup for CMC. I think they're going. It's a play. It's the playoffs now. They are going to lean on him as much as they possibly can. So if I'm paying up for Christian McCaffrey, I'm probably not paying up for Austin Eckler. That's just going to be really extremely difficult to fit those guys in, knowing that I'm probably playing paying up for one of those two uh, high price quarterbacks that we just saw. So you have to make a decision there, and, and I'm going to make the decision for Christian McCaffrey, and maybe. You know, with the Justin Herbert stack with Keenan Allen and a low-end receiver. Maybe if Mike Williams is hobbled, maybe we go right back to Josh Palmer. Maybe we take a chance on DeAndre Carter or Gerald Everett if we need the savings. The only other running back I like here, it's not Ken Walker against San Francisco's defense. Uh, it's Travis Etienne. And I think I think you might get slightly depressed ownership on Travis Etienne because of what we saw from him last week. But that was a terrible, terrible, terrible matchup against the Tennessee Titans. This is a much more favorable matchup. I will say the Los Angeles Chargers defense has been pretty good lately. The last five or six weeks, they're playing better against the run and the pass, but you can expose them against the run. And, and Jacksonville hasn't shown any reticence to run out Travis Etienne and just try to try to get him work. Even against Tennessee, they were trying to run him and it just wasn't working, but they were at least giving it a shot. So I like Travis Etienne at the 6,000 flat price. I think that's a, a really good price. I don't think I'd speculate on anybody else. Joshua Kelly. He's getting work. He's getting snaps, but I, I just don't see a reason to play him in this game at five thousand. Elijah Mitchell, it's a no. There's really nobody else I want to I want to take here. If, if I had to speculate on one of those guys, it would probably be Joshua Kelly. And I hope Joshua Kelly gets enough between the tackles and he gets enough work inside the, the ten that he be, he makes sense. And I certainly wouldn't play Joshua. Like if I'm playing Joshua Kelly, I'm probably just fading. Maybe I'm fading like Keen Allen and and the the uh, Justin Herbert stack. And I'm playing Joshua Kelly with like a Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk stack. Speaking of receivers, Zay Jones, let's go to the receiver position real quick. And we'll just touch on this and then we'll touch on tight end and then we'll get to that Sunday three game slate. Keenan Allen, let's actually click on his, his game log um, just for a second, because I think Keenan Allen is just, he's just doing things that like, this is like vintage Keenan Allen. It's the Keenan Allen we all knew and loved, but we weren't sure we were ever going to see again. Well, he's back. Week 14, caught 12 of 14 catches. Week 16, 11 of 14. Week 18, where he shouldn't have even been playing, he caught 8 of 11 targets for 102 yards. I mean, this is this is great. And he's getting the touchdown work too. So we're seeing him getting looks inside the red zone. At least we saw that last week. He wasn't really getting in the red zone before. So again, credit to Brewer Crew or Brew Crew uh, who won our FFT DFS contest because not only was he able to get Keenan Allen at 1.8% ownership last week. And not only was Keenan Allen able to get the 100-yard bonus and eight receptions, but he actually found the end zone twice. So if we're going to get Keenan Allen with red zone looks, then he's in a smash spot. And he's in a great Justin Herbert stack if, if that's how you want to play it. I think you could play him isolated, but I, I think I prefer to play him with Justin Herbert. I think you could play him either way. At 7,000, to me, he's certainly a great value. And we can go back to the receiver position because – there's plenty of receivers to like here. Um, DK Metcalf, I'm not a fan of. I don't think I'm going to play DK Metcalf. Mike Williams, we already talked about him. Tyler Lockett, I don't want. I don't want to have anything to do with this Seattle passing game. Listen, can one of those guys pop and get loose? Yes. Who's more likely to do it? Tyler Lockett, in my opinion. It does look like a good matchup on paper. I just don't think Geno Smith is going to have a good time throwing it down the field. So I think DK Metcalf gets the volume. But if 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 anybody's going to get loose, it's probably going to be Tyler Lockett. Maybe because the ownership's going to be low there. Maybe you want to play it. It's just not going to be for me. I think Christian Kirk is pretty good value at 5,900. He had an incredible game last week. I was kind of off him last week. And I'm probably be off him this week. 
I, you know, it's a good price, but I think I'd rather pay for Zay Jones at 4,300. You can play them both. Listen, it's a two, it's a two game slate, so play them both. Play Christian, and you don't even have to play them both with Trevor Lawrence if you don't want to, because this is a two game slate. You can do whatever you want. Do Justin Herbert. Let's say you fade McCaffrey to save some money. Maybe you do Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and then you play Kirk and Zay Jones, and you figure it out from there. So Justin Herbert can smash with the pass catching of Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. Kirk and Zay Jones can absolutely pay their prices off at 5,900 and 4,300 on this slate. And then, you know, you mix and match with the with the rest of your guys. Unfortunately, you probably have to fade Christian McCaffrey in that because we're, we're not building the lineup right now. But in, in all likelihood, you can't afford Christian McCaffrey there. So, you know, that's fine. Then you're going to be different from a lot of people who are just going to need to jam in Christian McCaffrey. So maybe that's the lineup where you throw in throwing Elijah Mitchell and you hope he gets two touchdowns. You hope he gets two carries in or three or four carries inside the five and converts one or two of them, or you just avoid the running game altogether. And you, you try to take a low end, the, the cheapest 49ers receiver that you can, you can withstand. So something to th- think about from a roster construction standpoint, as far as other receivers, I mean, we can scroll down a little bit again, Josh Palmer becomes relevant, at least a, more relevant. If, uh, if we don't have Mike Williams, uh, other guys here, and we can keep it right here. Marvin Jones is at least interesting to me. He's 3,400. He's playing the Los Angeles Chargers. He gets snaps. He's getting he's getting way less snaps than Zay Jones and um, and uh, Christian Kirk. But he's getting snaps and he's getting looks. He's he's got six plus targets in three of his last four games. Would you have thought that six plus targets in three of his last four games? Now, granted, it's not like he's ever gotten, you know, nine or eight targets, but it's, I believe I'm going off memory, six, six, seven, and four over his last three, uh, four games from a target standpoint. There have been games of efficiency and games where he's not been very efficient, but he's 3,400. And we know he gets a lot of the downfield targets as well. So does he catch three balls and, you know, for 80 yards and a touchdown? It's certainly possible. I think he's a really, really sneaky play. I would prefer him at 3,400 over, let's say, DeAndre Carter at 3,600 over Juwan Jennings or Ray Ray McLeod. Like there's really nobody down there in that three-ish K range that I'd want to play outside of Marvin Jones Jr. So somebody to think about there. Let's click on the tight ends real quick and then we'll address uh, the Sunday slate. Tight end, George Kittle. Here's the watch out for George Kittle. Let's click on his game log, actually, Zach, if you would, because he looked great last week and he has an amazing matchup against Seattle. So listen, if you want to play George Kittle, I totally get it. He'll probably get there. But just just be careful because he did all of this on four catches and it was only 29 yards. So if, and I understand he is like a big red zone look for Brock Purdy. So it's it's very easy for me to say, well, if he didn't get those touchdowns, it would have been a bad game. Well, you know, he tends to get those touchdowns because he's George Kittle. So I, I don't want to like play both sides here, but just understand that there is a game script where Kittle is involved early and not involved late and doesn't have the touchdowns, which means four catches for, you know, 61 yards. It's not a terrible day at all. It's, it's a fine day, but it's not like the Kittle day that you saw last week against Arizona. So again, he's got an amazing matchup against Seattle and I know Mike will be on him. I don't know that because I've talked to him, but I, I'm pretty sure Mike is going to like him when we do our Thursday game by game preview uh, and slate by slate preview. That's probably how we'll handle Thursday, but it, he'll probably be on George Kittle, but I just wanted to just offer a watch out because oftentimes when we see like a great spike game, we're like, Oh man, this guy is, 
this guy is a must add. And, and I'm not so sure he is. Granted, it's a two game slate. So, you know, you, you can play, maybe you play George Kittle, maybe you do double tight end, maybe you avoid George Kittle. There's other guys you can play, maybe to get a little different because people are going to see George Kittle. They think his price is at least reasonable at 5,900 and they see 32nd opponent rank. We all know Seattle can't cover the tight end. So I, a lot of people were probably playing, but I think Evan Ingram is in a tremendous spot against the Los Angeles Chargers at quite the discount, 1,700 off at 4,200. Gerald Everett, pretty speculative, but he also has a tremendous matchup. I don't think I'd play Gerald Everett. The, the thing about the Chargers is that they have too many tight ends that they throw to. It's not just Everett and Parham. They, they've got a few guys that they throw to, and I just I don't think I want to play that game. Noah Fant is at least interesting to me against San Francisco, but then and it's because Will Disley's on IR, but I don't think I'd want to get there either. So what, what does this mean? I think it means like everybody's going to try to jam in either George Kittle or Evan Ingram. So do that, you know, do whatever you want to do with that information. It's really hard to get away from one of those two guys. Uh, I think if you were going to make a play at it, I, I feel like you almost have to go jailed Everett, or maybe you pay way down to Cody Parkinson. Click on Cody Parkinson's game log. I know he had at least one or two catches two games ago, but last game, I'm not sure what he did. Okay, this isn't bad. This isn't bad at all. Okay, so keep in mind, I said Cody. I meant Colby. I'm sorry. So Will Disley's on IR, and Noah Fant's been good, but he hasn't been great. And Colby Parkinson is another tight end that's on the field quite a bit. And last game against the Rams in a low-scoring affair, he still managed two catches on three targets for 47 yards. The game prior to that, five catches, seven targets, 36 yards, and a touchdown. And the game prior to that against Kansas City, which I believe is the game that Will Disley was injured in, caught three or four targets. So what we're seeing here over the last three games is an average of three plus targets for Colby Parkinson. And he's all the way down at 2,500 in a game where, listen, it's a, it's not the best matchup, but they also don't have a lot of guys that they throw to. It's not, it's not a Gerald Everett situation where there's like literally like six or seven guys I can name. Let's try real quick. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer, DeAndre Carner, Do Donald Parm, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler. Who else? Somebody in the chat. There's probably two or three other guys that I'm actually missing somehow. Colby Parkinson, it's basically, well, it's not Will Disley. So we've got Noah Fant, Tyler Lockett. Um, there's a new kid on the block. I'm forgetting his name. The third receiver in ha has been getting some snaps. But Colby Parkinson's probably one of five guys that can actually catch the ball. So I think at 2,500, especially if you're trying to like pay up for guys like Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler or Justin Herbert snacks, I think, I think Parkinson might be the pivot. Or at the very least, he might be the guy in your two tight end sets where you're, play, you're paying up for George Kittle, or you're paying down for Evan Ingram, and you're paying for Colby Parkinson. Listen, is Colby going to have a breakout game? Probably not. But what if he does? He's 2,500. What if he doesn't? He's 2,500. What did he allow you to do with your lineup? So uh, something to consider. I can't believe we just spent approximately three minutes on Colby Parkinson. We can get off this page, Zach, because we don't need to have Colby Parkinson up here any longer. That That is pretty much it. Like We, we can click, click on the defenses real quick, and then we'll get to the... Uh, to the Sunday slate, but you know, it's a two game slate. Just, you don't need to focus too much on, on how bad the defense is that you are selecting. I even, I could see the Seahawks being okay. But let's not forget, listen, San Francisco, I think is the best team in the NFC, but let's not forget Brock Purdy is their quarterback. It is the playoffs. It is a high pressure situation. It's possible that the Seahawks might end up being a good defense. If that's the defense you had to play. Uh, I kind of like the chargers here a little bit. You know, some of these balls get away from Trevor Lawrence. 
Did you notice that? I know we all think like he's like the best quarterback in the league now because he put a few games together that are pretty good. Not really good, pretty good, but I, I, I'm not so sure. Okay. And, and on the other side, the Jaguars, I, I think you can justify playing them uh, at home. I, if I can pay up for the 49ers defense, that's great. That's the defense I want. But if I can't, I'm okay playing one of the other defenses, uh, particularly the Chargers and maybe even the Seahawks. So something to consider there. Okay. I think we can get on to the Sunday slate. But before we do that, real quick, before we get to the Sunday slate, Zach, can you come on? Because I'm just curious. We have Seattle versus the 49ers on Saturday and the Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's your favorite stack? Really? I love I love um, Trevor Lawrence, Tevin Ingram. Yeah. And I like that too. But because it's a two-game slate, let's assume you're double-stacking Trevor Lawrence. Who, who's the who's the next man in, or is it Travis Etienne? Are you trying to do it like that? Maybe maybe Zay Jones. He didn't have a good game against yeah. the Titans, and he's had a phenomenal year, and he might be a free agent. This he is a free agent, so we'll see how he works into their plans. But Etienne, Etienne wasn't even a factor on Saturday, and I, I don't know how he's going to be a factor. Maybe, maybe he'll be a factor against the Chargers, but I think Zay Jones is a kind of a, kind of under the radar guy who's had a really good season that maybe could be a sneaky out of some lineups. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually like that stack quite a bit. I mean, I know I was just dogging Trevor Lawrence, but look, listen, that's an obviously it's a good stack, especially on a two game slate. Trevor Lawrence has been good. Like he's been a fantasy producer. Trevor Lawrence to Evan Ingram and Zay Jones. You can do a lot with your lineup when you do that. You can throw in Eckler. You might even be able to throw in Christian McCaffrey and then make it work with, you know, maybe you do uh, dual tight ends and maybe you play that Colby Parkinson play or whatever. Like, I think you can manage that. that. That's a really interesting stack. So something to think about Garrett Pokella, he says, I thought we weren't going to go for the full hour. You know, I think I'm programmed to go for a full hour. Like I just, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, Swaggy P uh, at the end reference. Swaggy P says, if Mike Williams sits, I like Everett. That's fine. I I mean, I think Everett's okay too. I I would probably prefer Joshua Palmer there, but I think Everett's fine. And I think playing two tight ends on this Saturday slate are fine too. Let's see how fast, let's see if we can, because I don't want to go the full hour, Zach. I want to like, I want to be able to do a show without going the full hour. So let's try to do this in like 10 to 15 minutes, the Sunday slate. And we'll start at the quarterback position. Just to recap, the Sunday games, Dolphins at the Bills, Giants at the Vikings, Ravens at the Bengals. Did anybody give me their opinion? Oh, Swaggy says he's fading CMC this weekend uh, with a I'm scared emoji. Yeah, but, you know, that's how you win. That's how you win tournaments sometimes, too. I get it. I'm going to be playing him more often than not, but I'll probably throw in a couple lineups where I fade him because I just think people are just going to be you know, saying to themselves, I, I got to put Christian McCaffrey in my lineup and I, I totally get it. Um, Dwayne Austin says Vikes at home. They are a little more trusted there a little. I don't know if that's, and then Murray says probably Vikings minus three, but I won't touch it personally. Dwayne says he likes the Vikings. I assume that means minus three. All right. Interesting. I don't think you can trust the Vikings other than Sundays at 1 PM. We saw that against <laughs> Packers two weeks ago. So I, they could have easily slotted them in, on Sunday at one, they didn't. I guess they're testing Kirk, so we'll find out. Um, Brian Sigler, after my Kansas City dig, says, I'm taking back my like and unsubscribing. I totally get it, man. I totally get it. Okay, let's pull up the Sunday slate, and we'll start at the quarterback position. Again, I'm not really sure what's happening. If, if somebody in the chat thinks they have some inside info on Lamar Jackson, please let me know. To be honest with you, even if he plays, I, I, I don't like it very much. I mean, 6,800 is a fine price for Lamar Jackson. So I get the upside. I just like, he's been out for a while. And the Cincinnati defense, it's, it's really good. 
against the run and the pass at this point, it's it's been really good, especially against the run with DJ Reader back. This has been an imposing defense. I think Baltimore's in a really tough spot. They play really gritty football. It's possible. I just don't see Lamar Jackson, especially with the receiver core. I mean, you got Mark Andrews and Demarcus Robinson, and, and that's about it. So at the quarterback position here, again, I'm assuming two is going to be out. I, I Cousins at home is intriguing at 5,900. But to me, it's it's Josh Allen and it's Joe Burrow. And it's probably Joe Burrow as my lead guy at 6,900 versus the 7,900 for, for Josh Allen. Uh, you know, Baltimore can be a, a tough defense, but I feel like Joe Burrow and company are kind of on autopilot at this point. I feel like they can kind of do what they want over four quarters. I could absolutely see Joe Burrow throwing multiple touchdowns two guys like T Higgins and Jamar Chase. So I think Joe Burrow is probably in the best spot here. I don't mind Josh Allen at all. I think he could absolutely go off. But just from a value standpoint, I think I prefer Joe Burrow and maybe Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T Higgins, or Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T Higgins stacks. Um, so I think, honestly, that that's all I really want to talk about at quarterback. To me, it's Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. If I'm taking a chance down low, I think you could take a chance with Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones. I love Daniel Jones rushing upside. Um, I think a Daniel Jones stack to, to guys like Hodgins and Richie James, like we did a few weeks back, I think it makes sense. Or one of those two guys and, and, uh, Saquon Barkley. I think a lot of that makes sense, but speaking of Saquon, let's actually move over to the running back position because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get away from Saquon on this, on this three game slate on Sunday, because I just know the volume is going to be there. 7,900 is certainly not a super high price. I think the Giants game plan is let's stifle Kirk Cousins with our defense to the extent we can. We'll throw some blitzes at him. Hope he turns the ball over. Hope he crumbles a little bit. And either way, whether he does or not, Saquon's getting the ball, 22 rush attempts and, you know, four to five throws his way. I think that's sort of like the basic game plan in terms of how Saquon Barkley is going to be involved. So I really like him. He's my favorite running back. As we go down, I'm not playing Dalvin Cook. Like, I'm done with that experiment. I, I'm just done. Uh, Joe Mixon. And, and for the record, I'm not just being like, oh, he's on the blacklist. Like, he just hasn't done anything all year. Like, he hasn't proven it. A lot of times they go to him early, but they don't go to him late. Alexander Madison mixes in. Dalvin Cook's always leaving the game with an injury, then coming back. He's just not paying off the price. If you want to play him, take the chance. You know, take it from me. Like, more power to you if you want to do it. But take it from me. I've done that, and it's burned me countless times just in the last four to six weeks. So, not really into Dalvin Cook, but if he's going to be super contrarian, then I, obviously I'll consider it there. Hopefully we'll have some ownership numbers during our game-by-game -game preview with Mike. Mixon, I'm not really interested in here against the Ravens defense. Most of it, we have an injury that we need to consider here. Maybe that makes Jeff Wilson viable at 5,400. I'm not into J.K. Dobbins at all, not into Gus Edwards, not into Devin Singletary. So this is going to be a slate where I'm playing two running backs, and that's it. Like it's going to be Saquon Barkley, and then I'm going to choose from James Cook up. I think you have viable running backs. I think James Cook is really interesting at 4,800 because he's getting just about as much work as Devin Singletary. And in this game against Miami, I think it's a it's at least a decent matchup. But also, if this game gets out of hand because of what Miami has at the quarterback position or doesn't have the quarterback position, uh, we could see a scenario where they start running the ball late and somebody breaks one. If anybody's breaking one in the Bills' backfield, it ain't Devin Singletary. It's going to be James Cook. So I really like what we're seeing with the trend we're seeing with him over the last four or five weeks in terms of his usage. So I think that's a pretty sneaky spot at 4,800. And I don't mind, you know, running out of lineup with Saquon Barkley and James Cook as your two running backs and then calling it a day at the running back position. Don't mind that at all. We'll have to wait and hear what's going on with the Miami backfield. But it's not like I'd be super excited to play Jeff Wilson if uh, Raheem Mostert's thumb injury is is proves to be 
really bad. But uh, you know, admittedly, fifty four hundred for Jeff Wilson, pretty great value for for the starting running back. So just a, a lot of unknown with the Miami Dolphins. I don't think there's anybody else we need to address at the running back position on this particular slate. So we can go over to, yeah, we can go over to the wide receivers. Justin Jefferson. Uh, I mean. Yeah, if I can fit him into my lineup, I'm playing him. I, I get it. I think I prefer, believe it or not, Jamar Chase. And that's probably because I'm going to be having way more Joe Burrow lineups, Joe Burrow stacks. And again, because I'm paying down for James Cook, there's a scenario where, and listen, I understand like it's, it, it should be more wide open for Justin Jefferson against the Giants than Jamar Chase and T. Higgins against the Ravens. But I'm just going to grab the value here. And I think I'm going to be more inclined to play Jamar Chase and T. Higgins with Joe Burrow. And I think I can afford it the way I'm going to be building my lineup. So again, the double stack certainly in play on any slate, but especially um, a short three-game slate. So between those two, I think I prefer Jamar Chase if I have to make the decision. But of course, I love Justin Jefferson as well. I'm out on Tyree Kill. He's got the ankle injury, which I'm sure he's fine, you know, at least fine enough to play. But the quarterback position, I, I just don't know what's going on there. And I, I think uh, I, I just don't want to, I don't want, it's a nice price for Tyree kill. I just don't think I'm getting there. Stefan Diggs, absolutely like it. 7,700, very reasonable price. If I can fit Stefan Diggs in my lineups, um, I'm going to, and frankly, I don't have to run that double stack. I can run Joe Burrow to Jamar chase and still fit in Stefan Diggs to my lineup without, without T Higgins, obviously. So that's something to consider T Higgins down all the way down there at 6,200. That's a pretty big discount off the aforementioned Stefan Diggs and, and, uh, Jamar chase. That's great value for T. Higgins. I think he's going to end up getting some ownership just as a result of that price. Gabe Davis, uh, cost, like I said, cost me a lot of money last week, dropped a lot of balls. Uh, you know, you can go back to him if you want. I think it's a decent price. He, he always has the spike potential, and it's not like Josh Allen's not going to go back to him. My concern is there's a lot of guys on the field at the receiver position. It's not just... You know, it's not just Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. Obviously, we got, we got Khalil Shakir, John Brown's making an appearance, um, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox starting to get some more looks. So the, the question becomes, like, which of these guys gets the looks? Does Gabe Davis get 10 targets again like he did last week after what we saw with the other receivers being way more efficient than he than he was? Now, John Brown only caught one ball, only had one target, but it's a really nice catch uh, for a touchdown, I believe. So. We'll see with Gabe Davis. I don't mind playing him at 4,900, though, particularly in Josh Allen stacks. Um, we can scroll down a little bit. There's some receivers that are interesting. KJ Osborne, getting certainly getting the volume uh, and certainly probably the better option over Adam Thielen at this point in the season. Uh, six targets last week, cashed in on almost all of them, cashed in on all of his seven targets the week before against Green Bay. He's been really efficient. And don't forget against Indianapolis, had 16 targets. Of course, that was the crazy game where Indianapolis gave up the 33-point lead. So um, KJ Osborne, uh, certainly a decent value. That's a very, I wanted to say a hit or miss prospect, but he's getting enough targets where I, I don't even think I can say that anymore. I think KJ Osborne at 4,600 is, is a tremendous value. We can go back to the receiver list here um, because there's a few guys Right there, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, you can always play those guys. You know, I, I think Mike's going to have an, a, a pretty strong opinion about at least one of those two guys on our Thursday uh, review. So stay tuned for that. Isaiah McKenzie, I don't think I want to get involved there at 3,400 because of maybe John Brown emerges a little bit more. Maybe Khalil Shakir gets a, a few more snaps. If I'm going to mess with that game at the receiver position, it's going to be Gabe Davis and it's going to be Stefan Diggs, unless I need to save money, in which case, Isaiah McKenzie at 3,400 makes a ton of sense. Totally, totally get that. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's anybody else I like down here. So that's really the receiver position on this Sunday slate. Let's go to tight ends real quick. 
not many to choose from here. Uh, you know, really three, really three that stick out. I think if you wanted to take a chance on Gasicki at 3,200, perhaps he could flash Hayden Hurst at 3,100. makes a lot of sense. It's not a great matchup, but it's 3,100. Daniel Bellinger, interesting at a flat 3K if you have to go down that way. But obviously it's Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and Dawson Knox that I think most people are going to be interested in. I think I probably prefer Dawson Knox at this point in a very good matchup. And let's click on his game log. He's doing a lot of things now. I mean, he's, I don't think last week, I don't think he got a ton of targets. Yeah, only two targets, but he caught both of them, scored a touchdown, and he scored a touchdown in four games in a row. So remember, we were talking about Kittle and like, hey, you know, the downside is if he didn't score the touchdowns, he wouldn't have been that good. Well, he's been kind of like the target guy in the end zone his entire career. Well, Dawson Knox is kind of becoming that guy. One touchdown in each of the last four games is is crazy good. And the cool thing is, even though only like, oh, he only had two targets last week, the three weeks prior to that, five targets, eight targets, and seven targets. And he's been pretty efficient on all of those targets in terms of his catch rate. So I think Dawson Knox makes a lot of sense at 4,000 in a good matchup against Miami. But at the tight end position on this Sunday slate, and we can go back to the we can go back to the um the tight ends. I think uh for me, it's probably Hawkinson and Dawson Knox, unless I need to save some money, and then I'm willing to go down to probably Hayden Hurst. And I think that's about let's scroll down a little bit. I want to make sure I'm not missing anybody at like the 2500 range. I can't imagine I am. Yeah, that's gonna be it. That is definitely gonna be it. Irv Smith is. He's back and he's healthy, but he's not going to get much playing time. Um, Cal Odomitas, Adomitas? Wow. Apparently, uh, he's a guy that plays in the NFL. And I just mispronounced his name. That's it. That, that That's the review. The, the, this is the early look. Don't forget, on Thursday, we're actually going to do some roster construction. We're actually going to build some lineups. And, I mean, just talk about look, our, our top three. We're going to do all that like we normally do in our Thursday game-by-game preview. We're going to do it for... A Saturday slate, and we're going to do it for the Sunday slate. Don't forget, we have the 10.30 a.m. Monday showdown uh, special show at 10.30 on Monday. Uh, Zach, real quick, I want to pull you on before we get out of here. Oh, we're at 55 minutes. We're not at an hour yet. Um, okay, so we just went over this three-game slate. And again, just recapping, it's the Dolphins at the Bills, Giants at the Vikings, Ravens at the Bengals. Do you have a favorite stack here? I really like Joe Burrow to Cal Adamitis. I, just, <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a real person. I just clicked on it. Um <laughs> I like I like Burrow and Ch- Burrow and Chase, but everybody's doing Burrow and Chase. I think Trent Irwin's interesting. He he kind of had mm-hmm. a down week last week, and he kind of just comes out of nowhere. Um, I like what you said about KJ Osborne. He's really come on in the past couple weeks. I know last week you really can't make of it because you're going against the Bears in the week four. It's just because Justin Jefferson's getting double teamed, but he 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 feels like an like the really feels like the number two option in that offense, at least in the passing game. So maybe throw him in there with a with a chase and uh burrow stack but th- that's really kind of because i'm kind of i'm kind of staying away from the giants i'm interested in daniel jones but i'm not stacking them with anybody because i don't know who to trust on that offense yeah fair enough fair enough and and you know swaggy p says he likes the kirk jj stacks and uh, that that's a good stack but i think you could also throw kj and I, I don't think that's like a mystery to people i think a lot of people might play that stack and be like listen we, we need kirk especially on a small slate to have a big day who's the other receiver it's KJ Osborne. So I think a Kirk, JJ, KJ Osborne stack uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's it, Zach. We, we've, we've barely fallen under an hour. I managed to talk just enough to get us to an hour. And I think that's a bad thing, but let's just pretend it's a good thing. Hopefully you got something out of this podcast and hopefully um, you're going to start building some lineups. I, I think it's okay to start building some lineups early just to kind of like, especially this weekend, 
because of this weekend, because the slates are so different. Again, don't forget what I what I said at the front end of the show. You don't have to play the stack that you don't have to play the slate that everybody else is playing. You can play whatever slate you're comfortable with, and you have a lot of options. Go go on your phone and just like look at the the classic slate for DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever it is, and see what slate offerings there are, and start to build some lineups because you know you might have a lineup that's really clever on a slate that not a ton of people are investing a lot of time into and boom, you've got the best line about there. So I think that's going to do it for us today. It's going to do it for fantasy football today. DFS on a Tuesday, the solo pod, but on Thursday at five o'clock, it's going to be me. It's going to be Zach. It's going to be Mike McClure. And we're going to bring you our top three. We're going to bring you our cheat sheets. We're going to bring you everything you need to really build your lineups, including some ownership information as well. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for joining us today on fantasy football today. D-F-S. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.